Feel the pulse of the city. Feel the beat of the drum. Feel the bass blow your hair. In Las Vegas, live music delivers much more than sound. It's where music comes alive. With artists like Megan Thee Stallion, Maroon 5, Carrie Underwood, Shania Twain, Babyface, Lionel Richie, and many more. Every show is a playground for your senses. See the full summer lineup at visitlasvegas.com. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center, family owned and operated, a no pressure, laid back atmosphere, and always home of the free maintenance for life. This is the Bud Light Next Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light Next, your new favorite beer with zero carbs, now available to you. I'm always high on the hogs, guys. <laughs> I'm high. Well, I'm not high right now, but my day is young. Kudos for naming your son Ty, T-Y-E, just like I spell my name. There aren't many T-Y-E's out there. My odometer's way up there. I'm that 2018 that's already got 130,000 miles on it. The Razorbacks rush across the field to get that boot. Eleven days from game day. That means eleven days from Arkansas game day. Nine thirty Saturday morning, September the third. We'll be live at Randall Ford and Fort Smith, also at Sassy's in Fayetteville. We tell you more about a special event coming up there, as long as as well as what we have going on at Randall Ford. We'll have the uh, Learfield broadcast. You heard. Uh, Chuck there with one of the calls. Looking forward to some big touchdown calls beginning in 11 days. And then we're back after the game with hog reaction right here for you. All your calls, text, reactions to what will be a great top 25 matchup in Fayetteville 11 days from now. So right here at uh, ESPN Arkansas and hitthatline.com, the place to be. All right, all your headlines uh, from yesterday and today coming up in just a minute. We're brought to you by The Fence Man this morning, the company you can trust when it comes to building your next fence, your next gate, looking better in your neighborhood, securing your business better, any kind of fencing or gating project they do. If you need powered automatic gates, whether it's commercial or industrial type gates that are good for a warehouse or a, a, a yard, a lay down yard of some kind, they can do that. If you want custom wrought iron or something that's functional for your house but looks great as well they do that as well or if you just need hey i just need a chain link fence around my backyard four foot five foot high they can do that too so anything involving a fence or gates or any fencing project you need to call the fence man 479-782-3936 that's 479-782-3936 the fence man he ain't afraid of no work here's one of the biggest headlines from last night the one-two, and Pujols hits it out to deep left, at the wall, gone, 693, 693 home runs, a historic home run, the 449th different pitcher, he's hit a home run against, he's tied with Bonds, first all time, also his 30th career homer at Wrigley, six Nine three. Cardinals go on to win one nothing. That's the lone run of the ball game. They play again today. A doubleheader beginning just after one o'clock. Drew Albert's on a tear right now. I mean, it seems like every day we're playing a, home, a new home run highlight. These aren't old ones. This one was from last night. I was putting the notes and everything together for the show, and I kind of had a note here to check on that this morning. And 
about nine o'clock last night, boom. And uh, I think it's seventh or eighth inning. I was, that's the other thing that frustrates me with baseball. Unless you buy the app or have mm. all of that. I mean, couldn't find the game. I purposefully wanted to watch last night and on Bally Sports or whatever, but they, they just, baseball makes it difficult. That's another conversation for another day. Oh, yes. Albert's on a tear. The Cardinals are on a tear. Five-game lead over the Brewers in the NL Central right now. I know we don't pay a lot of attention to baseball, but Albert Pujols and his march towards 700 I think is interesting. We got a lot of Cardinal fans that listen. Uh, he is now three back of A-Rod, mm-hmm. and he is uh, also uh, closing in on that 700 Question is, will he... You know, with the DH now, does he stick around another year? Or is this it? it? Does chasing the babe down mean anything to him? That's the, that's the real question here is how far in is he willing to go? I mean, can he get to 700 this year? I actually do think that he's going to make it this year. The way that he's playing, still have over 30 games left, still about a month and a week left in the season, in the regular season, plus any type of postseason success that the Cardinals are able to have. I think he does get to 700 this year. Now, where does he want to put himself? Does that mean he's going to try to get the extra 15 to get past Babe Ruth? I, I don't think he's going to try to stick around long enough to get to 756 to, to pass uh, Hank Aaron. And, you no, know, depending on no, how you that, believe that's about, out, Barry, that's out about Barry Bonds, I don't know if it, I, I doubt there's no way he sticks around enough to catch old Barry. Hmm. But is Barry it, number one on your list? Do you, do you consider that legit with Barry Bonds? Where, where do you fall as a as a youngin? It, it, it's tough because I do like to consider myself a, a, a traditionalist in the, the game of baseball a lot. Um, you know, I, I believe that Barry Bonds cheated the game. I believe that. He did something wrong and knew that he was doing something wrong. But I'm also not naive and know that everybody was doing it at the same time. And you can't judge people differently by their errors. Yeah. It's just like you can't judge Babe Ruth for not being able, not playing in the integrated league. Just like you can't judge Barry Bonds for playing during the steroids era. So it's yeah. weird. We'll keep an eye on Albert Pujols. Another chance today, a doubleheader. I believe today's the doubleheader. They, they had five games in four days. All the schedules are weird because they're trying to make up for all the games that were lost with the lockout at the beginning of the year. But Cardinals-Cubs continue today. Albert Pujols now at 693 career home runs after a solo shot last night. Jalen Catalan was named to the second team AP All-American team yesterday. Uh, Arkansas's junior safety has been selected as one of the best. The redshirt junior spot on the AP second team defense on Monday adds to his extensive list of preseason honors. Catalan enters the 22 season as one of the nation's top defensive backs. He missed about half of last year with an injury. He is one of nine. Oh, let's see. He is there are nine SEC players on the first team. He is one of seven SEC players on the second team. And let me get over here to this other page. One of three SEC players on the second team defense. Here's some of the names that highlight beyond just Catalan from the Southeastern Conference. No surprise, Bryce Young, the uh, quarterback from Alabama's first team All-American junior quarterback, uh, should be there. Heisman Trophy winner, no surprise there. Brock Bowers, uh, the tight end from Georgia, is uh, first team AP All-American. And uh, Kayshawn Boutte, the wide receiver from LSU, first-team offense at wide receiver. Defensively, there are six, six SEC <laughs> players on that list. I believe that was 14 long, so, I mean, nearly half of the selections. Uh, Jalen Carter, the defensive tackle out of Georgia, is there. Will Anderson, no surprise there, the linebacker from Alabama. Um, Keely Ringo, the corner out of uh, Georgia, and the uh, Eli Ricks, the corner from Alabama, 
uh, on the first team defense. Jordan Battle, the safety from Alabama, and Antonio Johnson, uh, the other safety from Texas A&M on that list. Second team, Osiris Torrance from uh, Florida's the guard on the offensive line. Emil Ikayer from, um, I'm sure I'm not getting that right, from Bama is the other offensive guard. Uh, Gibbs, uh, uh, Jermaine Gibbs, the all-purpose, all-purpose player on the second team offense, and uh, Missouri on the list here with a uh, with a kicker, Harrison Mevis, the junior kicker on the second team offense. We mentioned Catalan; he's on the defensive side on the second team, along with Nolan Smith, the uh, junior or the senior defensive end from Georgia, as well as Cam Smith. Uh, the junior uh, corner from South Carolina. So the SEC, as you would expect, well represented on the AP All-American list that was put out yesterday. Charlie Brewer, who passed for 9,700 yards and 65 touchdowns at Baylor before transferring to Liberty, has been named the starting quarterback for Liberty. Not surprised there. Arkansas will see them down on the schedule in November. What is the date on that? November 5th. Uh, he'll be the. Uh, this will be a sixth year of eligibility. He has 39 career starts or 39 career games, rather, for Baylor, and uh, he has uh, been named the starting quarterback at Liberty. So no surprise there. Hooters yesterday got into the NIL game in a big saucy way. Uh, they have signed 51 college football offensive linemen to NIL deals across the country. Uh, they uh, wanted to sign offensive linemen in particular, rather than individual athletes, and sign offensive line groups. Rather, they're working with players from Auburn, LSU, Oklahoma, Miami, Georgia Tech, Missouri, A&M, Vandy, Florida Atlantic, and USF. Wow. I'm guessing these were picked based on the markets for Hooters because one of the things said, well, why is Arkansas left out? <laughs> they're in the Hooters in Fayetteville. They used to be. They used to be by the mall, but yeah. it's gone. So uh, here in Fayetteville, there's no Hooters. It'd be hard to probably put Arkansas on that list when uh, – there's no place for them to go chat out on wings. That wouldn't be a good mm-hmm. deal for Arkansas's offensive lineman. If they uh, if they got to deal with Hooters, they'd have to drive down to Fort Smith, I guess, would, <laughs> would be the closest Hooters. There's no... Uh, yeah, probably. It's about 45 minutes away from campus there. But yeah, so. I, I'm not shocked that FAU and South Florida are on there. A lot of people might be shocked. But come on, Hooter, Florida is the land of Hooters. Hey, you think there's any talent to work at that one in Tampa? I, I, I think... You think there's I, any... I think they do. I think you they like got to be it. the HR director there, man. <laughs> uh, what a sweet gig that would be. You'd work for trade, man. I'll just, I'll just work for wings, man. At that deal, that'd be a... Good deal. All right, that's your quick-hitting headlines this morning here on The Morning Rush. Our question of the day. K.J. Jefferson, leading rusher last year for Arkansas, 146 attempts on the ground, 664 yards. Now, keep in mind, the quarterbacks always get tagged with all of the yardage lost on sacks, too. He had 800 and some odd. Let me pull it up here again. 800 and some odd yards of 838 in gains, but lost 174 because they get tagged with all the sacks. Rocket Sanders, last year, 578 yards. He's back. We'll talk about him. When you look at the three-headed monster Mm -hmm. in that backfield, will K.J. be the leading rusher for this team again this year? We'll talk about some of that. Let's go to the phones. Rudy wants to dive in on this conversation this morning. He's in Alma this morning. Rudy, good morning. How how are you today? Good, good. Uh, I I was just thinking about, you know, your question there. Um, I don't believe that KJ will be the top rusher. Uh, you know, this offensive line on paper is probably the best that we've had in years. So I want to say that we're going to have a running back, and hopefully we got two running backs that are a thousand yard rushers. Now, with that said, 
I still believe that KJ's probably going to have about 400 yards rushing just because, you know, the way Browse is, you go back and look at those Baylor teams, man, those were things of beauty. you, you got to be unpredictable. So you, you got to attempt for KJ to even try to, even if he gets four or five yards, you know, because it's going to open up everything for the receivers. It's just going to make the offense go with him trying to attempt to run the ball. Now, you look at Alabama, it seems like Alabama, their kryptonite has always been the mobile quarterback. You get a mobile quarterback, that's how you beat them. Yeah. So, with the question that KJ's going to be the top rusher, I don't believe he will, but I still think he's going to have about 400 yards rushing this year. Yeah. So. Rudy, thanks for the call. Thanks for being up early with us. You, you mentioned Kendall Bryles and the way he ran things at, at, at Baylor. One of the criticisms, and I've had this, is he gets too cute sometimes. Mm. Sometimes the you, you miss the forest for the trees. Kendall Bryle said something last week caught my attention. He spoke with the media on Friday. And sometimes you got to take the obvious. Here's what he said about running the football with K.J. Jefferson and really just running the football with his offense in general. And while K.J. is a winner, listen closely to what he says up front here on this. It all matters with the passing game, you know, how we're running the football, you know, how we're protecting him. There's so many variables um, how they're playing us. If they're if they're playing us off, we're going to run the football. I mean, so there's just so many variables that, you know, you can look at it and say, well, heck, he only threw for 150 yards. Bottom line is he is a winner. We know he's a winner. And when you're a quarterback, to be a great quarterback, you have to win football games. Um, and I believe in him. I wouldn't trade him for anybody in America when it comes to winning football games. And however we got to do it, we got to do it. And that's what I want to hear from my offensive coordinator. You know, whatever's there. The Penn State mm. game, they got a little cute in the third quarter, got away from running the ball. They quickly got back to that, and they just kept smashing Penn State, running it down their throat. I think this offensive line is really, really good. Um, I think they're building some depth there. Drew, I think this is going to be an offense that can rush. And, I, I, you know, I don't think KJ is going to rush for 150 in very many ball games, if any, this year. But I think this team can be a 200-yard rushing uh, attack as a team on a few occasions this year. He's talking about the safeties there. Do they come down? You know, how many teams will mm. will come down and, all right, we're going to try to stop the run. It's all going to come back to the passing game. And we talked about I mean, that's basic football mm. if you can. Use the run to open if up you can, If you can, yeah. Well, if you, and I think it's the reverse. Mm -hmm. I think you can use the pass to open up the run because, you know, it's pretty basic if the safeties walk down and they're crowding the box a little more and they're loading up and the safeties leave room over the top. Mm -hmm. If Arkansas can execute the pass, generally when teams do that, they're daring you to throw it Well, because they don't believe you can do it. So if Arkansas with a big, rangy, large targets at wide receiver can execute that, they're going to run the football better because the safeties won't be able to come mm -hmm. down. That's not – I mean, you don't need to read a book to figure that out, but, but that's really – sometimes it just comes down to the basic stuff this year. And looking in the Cincinnati game, what do they do with their safeties and their secondary? Do they bring them in closer to the line? If they do, can Arkansas throw? You know, if they leave them back, that gives K.J. room to operate. I, I'm not sure if that's chess or checkers. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, it's basic stuff, but those are the things that are probably going to determine a lot, a lot of these football games this year. It is, and it's going to determine how mobile K.J. is. I mean, you talked about the offensive line. I do believe that... When you have four or five returning starters, you know that's going to give you a recipe for success. Yeah. When you return the best rushing game in the SEC, that's a recipe for success. When you look at this wide receiver group, and 
even though there was a lot of question marks around them before camp. Now that we're getting reports out of camp, we're hearing from Kendall Browse, we're hearing from all these different coaches, we're hearing from Barry Odom about how hard it has been to defend these guys in practice. That question mark has now turned into an exclamation point. The only way that K.J. Jefferson should lead this team in rushing is if everything I just said ends up not being true. Well, you need Rocket Sanders to be mm-hmm. your, your leading rusher. I, can anyone even get 1,000 yards on this team? I don't think you need your quarterback getting there. And I'll be honest, I'm gonna, we're going to look at some of the quarterback numbers as far as rushing numbers from last year. Um, history says you're not going to have a 1,000-yard mm-hmm. rushing quarterback, right? That's just there was only one college football last year. And we'll look at where K.J. ranked amongst quarterbacks rushing the football last year. He did lead Arkansas in rushing with 146 attempts, led in yards, too, led in both these categories with 664 yards, and that's taken out the sacks. Mm-hmm. Well, it had 174 yards of loss. That's um, the, the, the team only in rushing had 342. So, I mean, you, you, know, you can see where that, that it, in college football, the quarterback gets tagged with those losses. So, uh, will he be the leading rusher for Arkansas this year? That's what we're diving into this morning. That's our morning rush daily question. Arkansas had, um, um, you know, the best Power Five college football rushing game last year. What does it say if he is the leading rusher again this year? What does that say about where this offense is? Is it at its is it at its very best mm-hmm. if KJ's leading the way on the ground? Because I'm of the belief that. He's really more akin to a running quarterback, or a running back at quarterback mm-hmm. is really what he truly is. But he's, he's smart. He's heady. He know, he's, he's more comfortable in this RPO and, and making the reads. Um, I'm not sure it's com- completely a bad thing or your offenses went awry or you've, or you've had a significant injury. If you look up and, you know, into November, here he is mm-hmm. leading the list again. Yeah, I don't think that if K.J. Jefferson is leading the team in rushing, that ultimately means a failed season. You know, I don't think that if we look up uh, it's week 10 and K.J.'s got 200 more yards than anybody else, that means that, you know, Arkansas is sitting at 4-6. and six. You know, when Coach Pittman and Browse and us talking had say this offense is going to go as far as K.J. takes it, that means that how far K.J. takes us through the air, that could mean how far he takes it on, on the ground with his legs. You just feel like everything's setting up for it not to be that way. With the strength of the offensive line, with the transfers coming in in the wide receiver room, with everybody saying how KJ's working on his quick release, how he's working on getting the ball out of his hand quicker, how he's working on that internal clock and everything else that goes into developing a, a great passing game. You, you just expect the passing game to be there and Rocket Sanders to be as what we know he can be to keep a KJ from having to use his legs. All right, what, that's all you expect. What do you think out there listening this morning? You can call us like Rudy did a minute ago, or you can text the show. We've got a number of texts on this topic uh, already this morning. Our number is 877-377-6963. Drew, let's look at a few of the texts. Uh, Jamie May texted in and said, uh, KJ could easily be the leading rusher. We have a three-headed monster at running back. But I do believe he won't be the leading rusher. He doesn't have to because of the wide receivers and the running back room. That it could very well be. I don't know that you'll have a thousand yard rusher because of the, think you will. the depth of talent. Uh, B.E. in Clarksville says personally, those records belong to the old players. I would stop short. Of, like he's talking about baseball. He's talking about Albert. Stop. Uh, stop short of the record myself. I, Albert is six ninety three. He's never had a hint of anything with these records. But I agree. Barry Bonds. 
uh, pretty pretty tainted in most people's minds. Um, let's uh, sort through a few more of these. James in Charleston this morning. You did mention, uh, we get several texts on Albert, mm-hmm. uh, who gave up the homer 693 last night. Yeah, we should have mentioned that. Drew Smiley, uh, who uh, went seven innings in that loss last night, did give that up. But uh, good moment last night. Yeah, we, we, you're right, James. We should have mentioned that. Not a bad adding for Drew Smiley, though. I no. mean, he only gave up one run, four <laughs> hits through seven innings. To I one mean, of the best all time, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's he's, he's, he's put together some uh, pretty good uh, back-to-back performances yeah, for him. Reading the box score this morning, and, uh, yeah, that's a tough loss to get tagged with mm-hmm. last night. Uh Asking the question, will KJ be the leading rusher this year? Robin Mountain Home says no on KJ. But I do believe we will run for at least 2,500 yards as a team. Let's compare that. Last year, leading rushing team in college football, and Arkansas had uh, net yards, 2,961 yards. That means you take about a 460-yard step (laughs) back uh, if you do go at 2,500 yards, that might be okay, though, if you're passing the ball better. But I think you'll see uh, an offense that goes north of 2,500 yards. If Arkansas is running the ball and they're getting close to 3,000 yards as a team, I think you're going to see a team that really is going to to scare 10 games this year or at least at a minimum be in some of these games that right now you might consider, um, you know, like the Bama mm-hmm. game this year to be, to be one that might be a little bit out of reach in some people's opinion. You have a rushing attack that's able to accomplish that, considering the non-conference schedule, considering there's not many soft spots to roll up stats. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to probably be closer to uh, to ten wins than some might think if if that indeed becomes the fact. If KJ is the leading rusher this year, it means the offense didn't progress as much as the coaches or us fans wanted. That's from JT in Hot Springs. I'd agree with that. That you know, you, you want that that running back room mm-hmm. and Rocket Sanders to really take over. Here's what Sam Pittman said last week about Rocket Sanders and how they view Rocket. Rocket is a, the, the feature back. I mean, that's who he is. And, that, of course, that's without Dominique back. And then and you, we're going to have two feature backs at that point. But but uh, we've got three good running backs. I, I, don't, I believe in every one of them. Rocket's just proved it a little bit more, and he's proven that he, he needs some more reps than those other guys. So, you know, with, you know, with, there was a question earlier about no one getting 1,000 yards of rushing. What Sam Pittman's saying there, and Rocket comes out and proves in the first two or three mm-hmm. games he should get the ball more than others. Maybe he dominates the carries. Maybe, maybe he gets there. Matt from Birdtown says KJ will be the leading rusher because we will have to carry, he will have to carry this team. He's going to carry the team whether he's the leading rusher or not. Matt, I agree with you. But he may not be the leading rusher. But he is going to be the one that carries the team. And Brandon from Paris says, I sure hope KJ is not the leading rusher. That would probably mean he's pretty beat up at the end of the year, if so. That's a fair observation, Brandon, right there. That Because uh, we saw a beat up KJ Jefferson. Mm-hmm. Remember the the game with Penn State and the bowl game in Tampa that uh, you know, Malik comes in. Now Arkansas had a comfortable lead, but... You know, you could see his body was worn by the end and of that it, game. It had been getting worn down for about a month. Are you are you shocked we haven't had at least one person say yes? Or do you think everybody's on the two, same, but, but same mindset? I of, think everybody's on the same mindset because it's conventional. You don't want your quarterback mm-hmm. to be your leading rusher. So Jimbo from Stamp says, I don't think he'll be the leading rusher. James in Charleston says, uh, I think we had one other. For, uh, KJ needs to cut his rushing attempts in half. There were a few injury scares last year. Half? I don't think you can run the offense the way they quite want. Half would be seven, you know, 73 or so yards mm-hmm. or uh, t- attempts. 
I don't think you want half from KJ, but I, I do agree with the sentiment there, uh, James, that you're uh, that you're speaking of. And uh, last text here, uh, Scott Nozark says, all great leaders fall. Saban and the elephants will fall in 2022. I like your thinking. <laughs> I like your thinking. I hope they fall October 1 in Fayetteville. So, all right, we'll continue on our morning rush question. A lot of good audience interaction. We want to hear from you, though. We, we love reading your text, but we want to hear from you as well this morning. Uh, 877-377-6963. Something else to think about. We'll get into this in the 7 o'clock hour. Without Traylon Burks this season, and we talked all, I mean, all, all summer. I'm worn out on the conversation of replacing Traylon mm-hmm. Burks. But let me ask you this. We'll talk about this next hour. With all the collective pieces and everything we're hearing about Rocket Sanders, about the wide receivers and Warren Thompson and how consistent and how, how improved he's been in camp. And you can go down the list to Keetron Jackson is better. I think the wide receivers are still a little bit of a mystery, but an interesting group. With all the collective pieces around Jefferson, can this offense be actually better without Traylon Burks? Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information, from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to Bet Online today, or use your mobile device to join today and make. Your first sports bet. Use our promo code Believe50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's Believe B L E A V 50. That's Believe B L E A V 50. Bet online where the game starts. First Western Bank. We are more than just a bank, we are your partner for all your financial services. First Western has real professionals with years of experience in banking, mortgage, insurance, and investments. From financial services to personal and business insurance to investment products, mortgages, and small business banking. First Western with locations throughout Northwest Arkansas and the River Valley and online at firstwestern.com. Exceptional financial services all in one place. First Western Bank. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. You're listening to the Bud Light Next Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light Next is for the next era of beer drinkers with zero carbs and only 80 calories. All right, let's jump into our Red River Dodge in Heber Springs, our uh, morning rush question of the day. Red River Dodge in Heber Springs, Arkansas's number one Ram dealer. Log on at redriverdodge.com. We've been talking about K.J. Jefferson this morning. He was named to the Manning Award watch list yesterday, one of 30 quarterbacks in the country. Question is this, will K.J. Jefferson be the leading rusher for the Razorbacks again this season? Why or why not? He had 146 rushing attempts, 664 yards. He takes all of the losses, too, in the in the sacks. Will he be the leading rusher again? And if he is, which is okay, is that, what does that say about the offense? Does that mean it's progressed to where you want it? What does it say about the passing game? A lot of different things. We've had a lot of feedback on that this morning. We're going to get to some more of your calls and questions on that. Mike is in Florida. He's called in. We're going to get to that, plus... Uh, a nine-game SEC conference schedule I want to discuss with Bruce Stanton 
from Pradco Fishing, who joins us now in the studio. Man, good to see you. It's been a, been a few weeks since you've been here in the flesh. Been a few weeks. Been on the road a bunch, and uh, glad, glad to be here. So, I enjoyed last Monday on Biloxi, Tuesday on Biloxi. Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, I saw your pictures. You look like you were having fun. So, um, so is KJ the leading rusher this year for, I, for for this offense again? Is he again the leading rusher? I, I think it's his DNA. I, I think he's uh, he's built that way. You got a great offensive line, a dominant offensive line, and uh, he's your best player. He's going to have the ball in his hands every snap. And uh, I, I think it's just the DNA of uh, KJ in this offense. He's he's probably going to definitely have the most touches. Uh, you know, he's going to have some called runs. He's going to drop back some. Uh, he's going to run when uh, the receivers are covered up. I, I just think it's probably going to be KJ the leading rusher again. What about Rocket Sanders? Uh, well, let's hear from Sam Pittman again. We played this earlier, but you know, Rocket. He's the lead back for this team. Rocket is uh, the the feature back. I mean, that's who he is, and that, of course, that's without Dominique back. And then, and you we're gonna have two feature backs at that point. But, but uh, we've got three good running backs. I, I don't. I believe in every one of them. Rocket's just proved it a little bit more, and he's proven that he he needs some more reps than those other guys. Does Rocket Sanders? stand out amongst those three mentioned dominic johnson he's been injured he's supposed to get back to doing some indoor and some individual work this week maybe he can get back and be ready some for the cincinnati game but uh is rocket sanders gonna be a, a guy that hey we got to feed him 10 12 maybe 15 touches um the way defenses play the hogs bruce is going to be very interesting this year because Kendall Browse talked about that last week. We played that soundbite earlier, and, you know, it doesn't take a genius. You don't need to read a lot of football books to figure out if the safeties come down. You should be able to throw the ball if you can execute that. A lot of times they come down because they don't think you could throw the ball. Uh, Arkansas's got the wide receivers. So I think how defenses are comfortable playing Arkansas, what Arkansas can put on tape this year will, will answer some of these questions we're asking this morning. Yeah, and, again, we were asking ourselves the questions about K.J., at this point last year, uh, I don't think any of the SEC defensive coordinators are asking themselves questions because we're not. So uh, it's going to be a matter if you bring the safeties up and he makes a couple of throws early, uh, that opens up everything. And, you know, it's just going to be a game-by-game deal. How, how well is the defense going to execute? Uh, how well is Arkansas going to get its receivers open? And uh, how accurate is KJ going to throw? And – you know, how they adjust during the game. So everybody knows what K.J. Jefferson is this year, including the defensive coordinators. No one knew what he was last year. So, you know, it's going to be a game-by-game deal. The thing is, I think he can do it. I think he can be accurate. Uh, I think he can throw the deep ball. Uh, I think he can break for 50 when he needs to, uh, has the opportunity to. So, you know, I I don't think anyone's going to be able to pigeonhole Arkansas because – you know, Arkansas has a legitimate top-tier SEC quarterback. You know, a lot of answers to these questions, guys, might just be with, you know, Jaden Hazelwood with Warren Thompson. We've heard a ton about Matt Landers, uh, the transfer that's coming here, the senior that's just uh, apparently just mm, s- sneaky fast is the way Kendall Bryles described him. Like, you don't think he's – he's one of them guys kind of like Matt Jones – Remember Matt Jones tonight? Uh-huh. Looked like he's just loafing out there. Next thing you know, he's he's covered about 50 yards mm-hmm. in about <laughs> 10 seconds. It's just incredible. Uh, he, he, or probably faster than that, actually. But uh, 
Matt Lander's one of those. I hadn't seen him run yet. We've just seen, you know, just the clips and stuff from early in the practices. That That's another guy that, you know, when you look at this collection of wide receivers, how they play and how effective they are, how open they can be, how, how good a pass catchers they are in real game action, live bullets, that's all a huge factor into everything we're talking about this morning about rushing the football with KJ or whether Rocket's the leader, all, all those things. It is, and, you know, it's one thing. We always say it, you know, you can do a lot in practice and you can look a certain way in practice, but you get out there at game speed in an SEC game or a Cincinnati game against a quality opponent, then you're going to get a little more feel of who can actually get open, who can actually catch a ball on third and five when the pressure's on. Uh, and, and, you know, that's why they play the games. Yeah, I want to dive into a conversation we were having yesterday because I know you're going to have a lot of thoughts on that, and that's the fact that uh, the SEC is inevitably going to nine SEC games, three permanent opponents. Mike has, uh, has dialed us up from Florida, down in Baker, Florida this morning. He's got a thought on the three teams that Arkansas should be playing. Mike, good morning, and uh, thanks for calling from the Sunshine State. Hey, how y'all doing? We're good, Mike. Good. Yeah, my question is, I, mean, I would like for us to be able to play Mizzou, LSU, and Oklahoma. I think that's intriguing, but I think my question more is, do the three teams we have to play have to play the same teams we do? Or can they, you know, could OU play Texas and A&M and then Mizzou or something like yeah. that? Is there anything saying that they have to play the same teams we do in, that's in good. the rotation? That's a good question, Mike, uh, and thanks for calling this morning. What you're asking is basically, would there be a true pod system where you would play everyone within that pod? And from everything you've read and what Chris Lowe reported, guys, last week. That's not the – you're going to have three permanent opponents. Arkansas's three permanent, Mike, would be different than than Texas or mm. OUs or A&Ms or LSUs. You know, it's not written in stone, but it seems, guys, inevitable that Arkansas is going to get saddled. This, like, arranged shotgun marriage with Missouri is going to continue. Uh, and, and there's good in that. There's bad in that. I mean, selfishly, I live on the western side of the state. I want to see OU, Texas, and Texas A&M. You said LSU is going to be one of those as long as it's not OU. I'm fine with that. Because of where I've grown up, because of my life experiences, I want Arkansas and OU to play every year. If you live in Little Rock this morning or you're listening in Harrison, you probably got a different feeling about that. But, Bruce, I think this is an interesting direction that we're headed, not a surprising one at all by the SEC. We know nine games is going uh, to, to be a, a thing of the future with all the mega conferences. But uh, the three permanent opponents, I, I don't even like the word permanent. I think it's, all right, these are your three opponents you're going to play every year for the next six years or eight years or what you got to use an even number. But I, I don't even like the idea of permanent because I think permanent should be looked at in this scenario just to keep competitive balance alive. Well, and this is it's personal. If you grew up with an SEC school, a traditional SEC school before the tr- first expansion, uh, you know, when I grew up in East Tennessee in the 60s, 70s, 80s, we, we still viewed the third Saturday in October as, as the biggest game. <laughs> and, and Tennessee is a lot like Arkansas in a lot of ways. Uh, we, we value, we view ourselves as more important probably than we really are in the rivalry uh, game. Like Alabama, there, there's no doubt it's Auburn. Right. That's number one. Yeah. Uh, we went through a list of all the school. I mean, who's yeah. the one school you got to yeah. play? Yeah. So that was the easiest one on the list. Tennessee and, views itself well. Alabama's our rival. 
and even though Vanderbilt is three hours away in the same state, uh, and you probably should play them every year, Tennessee fans have always just looked at that as a gimme, as a layup. Probably a lot of been. probably a lot of reasons why Tennessee's traditionally been an eight and nine win uh, team till recently because you closed with Kentucky and Vanderbilt every year. Yeah. Former never lost to Kentucky, lost once to Vanderbilt. So you know Tennessee should they play Kentucky and Vanderbilt and Alabama? You know by tradition, yes, uh, but I don't think that's going to happen. I don't even think Tennessee will be on. Uh, the Alabama uh, permanent schedule. It might be rotating, yeah. but I don't think it's going to be one of the, the three. Six, yeah. So, what you know, Florida? South Car- you know Florida, Florida before Spurrier got there, nobody cared about Florida. It was just another win. It became a rivalry because, you know, when they made the East and West, at that time, Florida was the dominant team and Tennessee was typically the second mm-hmm. best team. Georgia post Vince Dooley still uh, was struggling, you know, kind of like Tennessee and Arkansas has done the last couple of decades. Uh, that That's what Georgia was. It's only been recently where Georgia has kind of reemerged as a power and uh, threatening Florida at the top. So re- recent history, 90s, 2000s, mm. obviously Tennessee fans, uh, younger Tennessee fans, middle-aged Tennessee fans view Florida as important, but the old-timers, it's still – it's a recent rivalry, obviously Spurrier being from Johnson City, Tennessee, and, you know, you always needled Palmer. That probably got a little more uh, <laughs> exciting than it should have been. But I, I wouldn't see that. You know, I, I think you all talked yesterday, Florida, Georgia, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, That that's that's the rivalry uh, for those two states. So I think you're going to see a list of those. I think when Arkansas and South Carolina came into SEC, the SEC naturally wanted to link those two together because there was no tradition, and it was just easy. Well, Arkansas and South Carolina are going to play every year. It's, it's so far away. The fan bases don't even know each other. The game's not really ever meant anything. Uh, Missouri, when Missouri came in the conference, it means a little more because, obviously, you got the long border on the north. But still, traditionally, I don't think that turns the hearts of any uh, Arkansas fans to uh, play Missouri on a on a regular basis, so Tommy, I kind of agree with you. You know, Oklahoma, I, I want to play Oklahoma every year. That gets my butt in the seat. Chuck was talking about this yesterday, and you know, can't just there, there was a lot of history in this rivalry. That's Arkansas Tennessee when Arkansas joined the league from '92 to what was it early 2000s when they quit playing every year. It was Arkansas, I mean Tennessee and South Carolina were the every year permanent Eastern Division opponents for the longest time. And then it changed, and this wasn't when when A&M and, and Missouri joined the league. It was prior to that. I don't remember the year, but it's somewhere in the early 2000s range. Uh, you, you look at the six states that border Arkansas. I guess there's seven schools counting Vanderbilt in those um, states. Have I got that right? Louisiana, two in Mississippi, two in Tennessee, Missouri, Oklahoma. You have nine, actually, with, mm. with, with the expansion. Um should should all of the games that Arkansas play be as far as permanent opponents? Should should those three schools be picked out of, and should this league take that same approach with with other school traditional rivals, proximity uh, for for fans and ability to travel to games to keep the excitement and the juice in games? I mean, proximity matters. Should that be the one of the priorities when making out permanent? Uh, permanent opponents for I each mean, team. It, it, 
And that's where the rivalries some, exist. Some way it should be. But okay, I'll just throw it back on Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, Kentucky. Who real? I mean, Ole Miss is going to play Mississippi State, but where? Who is really? Who's the, the other right, two? Who's the other two? Well, for Ole Miss, it's LSU. That's a huge. Well, that's easy. You know, I'm talking about Mississippi State. They, 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 don't, they don't have anybody. They don't want to play out. That's what they do. I, I trust me. I, I know plenty of state people, and with Starkville only being about an hour and fifteen well, away sure. from Tuscaloosa, they well, view that one as their but, second. But rival. do they really want to sign up for that? Yeah. That's what that's your AD does because it, it fills the stadium up. Well, yeah, yeah. But, they, they should want to play Arkansas every mm-hmm. year. But so okay, you know, we were talking about Tennessee, Arkansas. I mean, really, you talk about some of the games in '98. The, the Sterner fumble, 99, the Sterner comeback up in Fayetteville, Todd Wright and Barry Lunny going over to Neyland and, and winning that well, game. I mean, those were some epic games. What year was the six-overtime game that Arkansas lost? I mean, that was another epic game. It would have been oh, 2 or 3, Yeah, somewhere right in yeah. there. Yeah, and then, and then the night game uh, up in uh, Fayetteville, ESPN, mm-hmm. had two lightning delays. I mean, that look, was uh, oh, one. Those were epic games, yeah. and and you think about fan bases that maybe don't like each other a little bit, and, and kind of Tennessee comes to town, Arkansas comes to town, kind of kind of gets you fired up a little bit. I'm resigned to the fact that Missouri is going to be one of Arkansas's permanent mm-hmm. opponents. I don't like it, but I'm resigned to the fact that that's going to happen. It so has to be. when you look at the other two, one of them has to be one of the Texas schools. I think a lot of fans would prefer the Longhorns, but if it's A and M, that's okay as well. Arkansas needs to lobby. Hunter Urechek has to lay across the conference table to guarantee that Arkansas plays one of those teams every year. It's too big for recruiting. Mm-hmm. It's too big a deal. And if you get both, I, I would rather play Oklahoma. But if you stop and think about it from a recruiting standpoint, what's important? I mean, Arkansas's played a game in the state of Texas every year for a long time now with the Southwest Classic. If you had an arrangement where you played Missouri, Texas, and Texas A&M, and one of them was at home, one of them was on the road every year, that'd be a pretty good setup from from a recruiting standpoint. We all know the importance of, of Texas, guys, and what what I don't think would be a great deal for Arkansas is you end up with Missouri, LSU, and Ole Miss. I mean, those are great opponents. Not, it's not about the – but it's about recruiting. You Then I think you're almost forced to schedule someone periodically in the state of Texas. Well, you would hope that – SEC powers that be would respect what they built with the recent intensity of the Arkansas Texas A and M rivalry. That's like a that's a circle date. You know, mm-hmm. you get half and half down at Jerry World. That's a that's a game people put on their calendar. They get to go to Dallas. It's a bowl game environment, and and the SEC built that. And I I don't know why they walk away from that because that's a rivalry that they mm-hmm. specifically built for Arkansas and Texas A and M. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think that uh, having a presence on a regular basis, I know you're going to have the six rotating opponents, and there's a good chance one of those schools will fall in there. But if you had both of those teams as permanent opponents, you would have almost a guaranteed game well, every year let, or two every other let, year in Texas. Let's ask this from the OU perspective, because we, we do have a couple of OU fans listening. Uh, if you're bringing OU in, I would think you're going to keep Texas with them. I, I think that's the number one game. I that think te- you have to. I think is Texas OU ahead of Texas, Texas well, A&M in the TV executive's hark, mind. Harken back to the Big 8, Big 12 days, do you reignite the Missouri-Oklahoma game because of proximity and because mm-hmm. of the old rivalry? That couldn't work. 
I mean, is that one you yeah. think is a possibility? Well, Greg Sankey spoke to that at SEC Media Days about the old Big 8 rivalries. So, now, is that good? You know, that's fun and nostalgic to talk to at a Media Days event. Mm-hmm. Is that what's going to happen when, you know, who, you know, wouldn't you love to be on this committee or h- however this scheduling model is going to go down? You know, like some guys that, uh, <laughs> A, have some guys and gals that have some power, but uh, a ton of influence. I, I, and I would imagine. ESPN is going to be at the head of the table on this deal. But, you know, just looking at it neutrally, I would think there would be more excitement for Oklahoma about playing Arkansas every mm-hmm. year than playing Texas A&M. I, I get Texas. That's that's top ten rivalry all yep. time. You're never going to break that up. You'd be stupid if you did. They probably should play Missouri. Go back to the big eight days. But that third game, it really should be Arkansas if you go by geography and what it would mean to the fan base. You know, you speak of the fan bases, we, the collective we as college football fans, as Arkansas fans, as, you know, just SEC football, we're the winners in all of this. Nine games, I can't wait for it to get here. That's one less crappy game I got to watch. That's one less weekend that I can, you know, uh, it's, it's just games you don't have to navigate around. This is, you know, I thought two TVs was enough. Now with the Big Ten, the ACC and the SEC expanding schedules. Guys, there's been weekends where you look and the, the lineup's been, hmm, you know, I might actually get around to golf in this weekend or I could actually go fishing. The, the games today aren't any good till well, you know, 6 p.m. Every, everyone should fish in the morning. But, <laughs> there's gonna be, but there's going to be an 11, a 2.30-ish, 3 o'clock game, a night game, and then probably a late-night game every week that are, like, great games, great matchups, Brand names. I mean, the fans, well, while we're going to pay more for tickets and we're going to pay more for TV, we won't mind because we're going to get value in the matchups. Well, and, and part of this rescheduling is we're fooling ourselves if we don't think they're going to spread these things out. You're not going to have four epic games on the same day. You're going to have them spread out the really big but epic games. They're I think there's going to be so many, out. Bruce, that you can't spread about two. I mean, I think there's going to be one or two you know, must-see games every week, you know, when we get to this in mm-hmm. two seasons or whenever, whenever it will ultimately be. So it's going to be just every Saturday will be so much fun. Almost to the point, do you want to go to a game when you can stay home and watch well, all the games? Well, that's the thing, you know, with, with all the ESPN pluses and Peacocks and everything we have now, it really makes more sense just to buy all those streaming services. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, yeah, you want to go to a game, that's great, but – you know, you miss out on a lot if you do that. Does this bring Texas and OU into the league sooner? I know the college football playoff expansion has to kind of be the big domino that falls. I think they don't come into the league until the the playoff expands or it doesn't really financially make a lot of sense, and then it has to time up with the TV contract as well. Um, don't they have a big buyout? Over yeah, but it diminishes a little bit every year. I mean, it, seemingly there's no end to the money. It's like the federal government with these guys. There's no end. <laughs> just print some more. I mean, they got plenty of money, so I, I don't know. Um, I kinda, Some feel like this will bring them in sooner. I, I don't think this changes the date they arrive well, in the SEC. What, what if they go ahead and bring in two more teams before that well, happens? That's what's more likely? Notre Dame? Bring them on. I'd more love likely it. for more expansion. I agree with you, Bruce. It's more likely that by the time Texas I agree. you join the league, we're talking about 18 yeah, instead I of 16. Totally, totally agree on that. He's talking about fishing on game days. I think, yeah, absolutely. You should be out at daylight <laughs> on game days so you can be home in front of the TV at, 
at 11 o'clock. Uh, I, man, these temperatures cooling down. We've got a little overcast sky. These are, are starting to get prime conditions here. Well, it, it makes it feel good for us, the fishermen, but the, the fish like it too, especially the overcast conditions, getting out early on these highland reservoirs around here like Ten Killer and Beaver and, uh, you know, Gers Ferry, Broken Bow. Get out and throw a topwater like a Super Spook Boyo or a Rebel Pop or Booyah Boss Pop. You're going to get a lot of action uh, on main lake points, especially when they're pulling a little water. Not a lot of that going on early right now, but as power demand uh, surges at the end of the day, you're typically having current on the river and current on the reservoirs. And, uh, you know, you need to be fishing the main lake points and, uh, you know, throw a bomber fat free shad. If you don't want to throw a crankbait, uh, you can throw a yum dinger weightless or uh, put a little quarter ounce weight on it. And uh, it's a very versatile lure. But, Now's a great time to be out, especially, uh, you know, we got another week or two before college football season. Mm-hmm. Spend the whole day out there. And then, obviously, uh, as the games start uh, racking up, uh, you know, you want to get it done early so you can get in front of that TV. All right, LureNet.com, Walmart, Bass Pro Shops, Academy, local stores, both in Arkansas and Oklahoma. You can find all the great Pradco brands made right here in Arkansas. Before we go, real quick, I know one of the things you love, I love – High school football's back this week. There's there's Alma Van Buren down in the River Valley this week. There are games all over the place with week zero. One of the other things I love about Falls, high school football's back. Love it. And uh, my man Felix Curry, Felix Curry, first game uh, in charge of Northside. Uh, Really excited for Felix, what he's going to do this year uh, with with his team. And uh, just great. Great to see Southside and Northside playing this week. Alma Van Buren, a lot of rivalries. And, uh, you know, it kind of gets the blood flowing. Uh, get out and see a game. Hopefully we'll have good weather uh, in the evening this week and uh, get that football start, get thrown around. Man, good to see you again. We'll uh, we'll chat next Tuesday. Good to see you all. Bruce Stanton, Pradco Fishing with us here in the morning. Rush. Speaking of fishing, great time to get to Gaston's White River Resort. They have added some new fly fishing guides to uh, to their roster, but they've got the best expert bait guides as well. And, hey, Pradco makes some great stuff you can throw out on the White River, and Gaston's is the place. I, I talk about these college football weekends. We were talking about fishing in the morning. Hey, there's no better place than Gaston. You can get up, be out there at daylight. You can have four or five good hours of fishing and then head in and watch your uh, your favorite college football games. They got top-shelf fiber internet there. That's important because kids want to play the games. Uh, Dad wants to watch the games. All those things going on. They've got it at Gaston's. 870-431-5202. Gaston's White River Resort. A first-class time every time. At Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we specialize in getting you exactly what you want. Custom jewelry, professional repairs. We can even fix eyeglasses and other small trinkets. Now we offer services with a new laser engraving slash cutting machine. We can mark any shape or design you need. Company logos, fingerprints, religious symbols, even actual pictures can be engraved or just cut out into shape and preserved in metal forever. We can also engrave on other materials, glass, wood, plastic. Just ask. You can get what you want without settling for less. We can take any design or picture and turn it into a forever keepsake. Come see Nathan and let him tell you all the details. You can get exactly what you want at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville. Core Jewelry! You're listening to the Bud Light Next Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light Next is for the next era of beer drinkers with zero carbs and only 80 calories. 
All right, here are some of the headlines uh, topping uh, the Razorbacks today. Uh, it's brought to you by Mr. Sparky. We told you earlier in the show, Arkansas safety Jalen Catalan has been selected second-team All-American by the Associated Press on their preseason All-American list. Catalan is uh, on that spot. It's one of many uh, preseason awards and accolades he's gotten, including All-American by The Athletic, Athlon, CBS Sports, Phil Still, Pro Football Focus, and Sporting News. But Associated Press, All-American, it's got a little bit more, uh, little more, more zine to it. It means a little bit more. K.J. Jefferson, we spoke a lot about him this morning already. He's been named to the preseason watch list for the Manning Award, which is presented annually to the nation's best college quarterback. The Manning Award, created by the All-State Sugar Bowl, is in honor of the accomplishments of Archie, Peyton, and Eli Manning. Uh, the um, award will be named later this year. He's one of 30 quarterbacks on the watch list. K.J. led the Hogs to nine wins last year, as we know, and uh, was the one of the leading rushers in the country for the quarterback position. K.J. Jefferson is from Sardis, Mississippi. The Razorbacks will, um, will add one more game to their soccer schedule after losing the game with DePaul this Sunday due to a COVID situation with DePaul. They've added Grand Canyon on Sunday, September 11th at 8 p.m. The Hogs and the Antelopes will meet on the pitch for the first time in a battle of, uh, in a battle of 2021 conference champions. Uh, GCU won the WAC regular season and tournament titles and is picked to win the league again in 2022. The Razorback soccer team will be in the region. They face BYU on September the 8th. Arkansas is number eight in the country. They resume play at Oklahoma uh, to Thursday night, uh, August 25th at 7 o'clock. You can watch that game on ESPN+. Plus. And those are some of your hog headlines this morning, brought to you by Mr. Sparky. You don't have to put up with any malarkey. Call 888 sparky How big a deal is this with K.J. Jefferson being on this Manning Award watch list? And you, do you think he'll be one of the semifinalists? How far does he go? Because he is so different than a lot of your you know, pro-style type mm -hmm. quarterbacks. Yeah, it's, it's interesting when you see some of these watch lists comes out because... Depending on the award, I mean, some of them have 30 guys on the watch list. Some have 60. Heck, some have up to 100 guys on watch list. So how important is it? How much is it to, you know, pay attention to? I don't put a lot of stock into it until they start to actually cut it down, semifinalists, and after you start to see what kind of stats and what kind of performances you're getting out of different quarterbacks uh, from around college football. It's a nice thing to have on, on a resume. It's a good thing for your SID to pump out there. But as far as how much does it actually matter, well, until, you know, hardware actually gets exchanged, right. does it really matter at all? So Jalen Catalan's on the preseason All-American list for the AP All-Americans. Does he make a postseason list? Is he, you know, something of this kind of prestige? I mean, the AP All-American list is one of the biggest mm -hmm. honors. Preseason, it matters, but, you know, it doesn't matter if you don't follow it up. It doesn't matter as much mm -hmm. if you don't follow it up with being on the All-American list at the end of the year. Jalen Catalan, one of the, what would it be, four best safeties in the country. Could he make first or second team, or will he make first or second team at the end of the year? I think I think he has the potential too, especially in this defensive scheme where he's going to be, uh, you know, a big part of it with playing that safety position. He's going to have the nickel help. He's going to you got the help from the linebackers as well. I think he has en enough to do in this defense to where he is used a lot and he shows 
his numbers, he gets the tackles, but he's not overused. You know what I mean? It's, it doesn't feel like if Catalan doesn't make a play, then they're going for 50. So I, I feel like Jalen Catalan has a great chance of, of getting this. Can he get a few INTs to throw in with probably over 100 tackles that he'll get that he normally gets uh, here at, at Arkansas? And when it comes to, I guess, meaning, kind of like the hardware, AP preseason poll, yeah, it's great, but they're not gonna they're not gonna introduce you as the 2020 preseason AP second team, you know, in 10 years when you're talking to a touchdown club. Yeah, you know, so it's all about what happens after in November. We've been talking about KJ Jefferson this morning. He was the leading rusher for the Razorbacks last year, and you probably, I mean, if you, you pay close attention to the numbers, you already knew that. The question this morning's been, will he be the leading rusher again this year? For those that don't read the stats probably often or commit them to memory, you might be surprised that your quarterback was your leading rusher. 664 yards last year, led in attempts as well. Is that going to be the case again this year? We've been kind of knocking that around this morning. And what does it mean if your offense is uh, led on the ground by your quarterback? I mean, he's a, I, I believe he's a running back at quarterback, but... Also, without Traylon Burks this year, can the collective pieces that are there, the transfer players, you look at a guy like Matt Landers, who's been a ton of the conversation, Warren Thompson, who all you've heard about is his consistency, improved the drops. You know, Sam Pibbins described him as maybe the most improved player in camp this year. You know, There's not a lot of negative things to get said from the podium in camp. I get that. But everything you've heard from Kendall Bryles last week to Sam Pittman to other players has been, you know, how good Warren Thompson's been. You look at these wide receivers. You look at these running backs. You look at the improved offensive line. Uh, can this be a better collection of players without Traylon Burks? And you, you think about you got a first-round draft mm -hmm. pick. You know, it's hard to improve losing a guy like that. But with all of it together, do you see this offense being better? Is it a better collection of players? I think from top to bottom, it is. I think that when you look at this team, I don't know if that means more wins. I don't know if that necessarily means more yards. I, I just think that when you look at this team, you see more balance. You, you see different guys that can take the top off for you. You see different guys that can pound the hole for you. you. You see different guys in this offense that can do so many things. And we haven't even, and this this topic has been buried for quite a while, I think, through fall camp, the, the Malik Hornsby conversation. It was a well, huge thing that we talked about all month of May, all month of June, most of July. And now that we've gotten here in August, it's really cooled off. What does he bring to the offense? I don't think he's going to be one of your starting wide receivers on a regular basis, no. number one. And number two, I'm not even sure, just listening to the coaches talk, listening to Kendall Bryles, listening to Sam Pittman, there's a lot of a lot of mentions and a lot of talk, particularly after the scrimmage last week by the head coach about Cade Fortin. I don't believe Malik Hornsby right now is truly your number two quarterback. He, I'm not saying he's not going to play, and I'm not saying there's not packages for him that he'll come in, but I think if there was an unfortunate happening or an unfortunate injury with K.J. Jefferson – from just listening to the coaches. I'm just listening to the audio, just like you can at hitthatline.com. We'll ask Tom Murphy about that because 
it sure sounds to me like Cade Fortin's their number two quarterback at this point. So, speaking of Tom Murphy, he joins us on the other side of the break. He was at uh, the press conference I just referenced following the scrimmage. He's seen as much of practice as anyone in the media has been allowed to. But a lot more talk about veteran players. We're going to get into that with Tom. The depth chart appears to be set. So uh, we're 11 days out. We're going to talk a lot about Arkansas and what happens between now and kickoff. Jalen Catalan, named of the second team, AP All-American list. We'll get Tom's thoughts on that. And we haven't asked him about the nine-game SEC schedule discussion. So uh, we'll talk about all of that with Tom Murphy coming up here in just a few moments. What are your thoughts? What do you think about Arkansas and K.J. Jefferson running the football? Will he be the leading rusher? What's this offense going to be like this year? More run, more pass, 877-377-6963. Hour three of the morning rush, headed your way next. College football is almost here, and we're helping you get ready as we do every season with Arkansas Game Day with a special one to start when Arkansas opens up against Cincinnati Saturday, September the 3rd. Now, we'll get things going at 9.30 a.m. Here's the deal. Tommy's going to be back in studio. Drew Barrett's going to be at Randall Ford, and I'm going to be at Sassy's Red House on college. Arkansas Game Day is always presented by Bud Light, and Curveball Whiskey is going to be at Sassy's Red House on college. Get ready for the opening game between Arkansas and Cincinnati with Arkansas Game Day. Heard live on ESPN Arkansas and hitthatline.com. Have you tried Benville Brewing's new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale? It's handcrafted in Arkansas. You'll taste the great tropical citrus, including the passion fruit, the guava, and pineapple. It's creamy, zingy, and zows the taste buds. It's weird, wonderful, and wacky all at the same time. Try the new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale from Benville Brewing. Eleven days. We just need a game. All of us <laughs> are just ready for a game. Tommy Kraft, Drew Barrett, Tom Murphy's going to stop in here in just a minute. We're going to talk about the Arkansas scrimmage last week, what we learned from Coach Pittman, even some from Coach Bryles on Friday before the scrimmage. We've been talking this morning, K.J. Jefferson. Will he be the leading rusher again this year for Arkansas? My man Gary in Arkadelphia. Gary, we don't hear from you enough, but I love your, your text you send the show. He said, if K.J. is not the Hogs' leading rusher, the Hogs only win six or seven games this year. They need to keep the ball in the best player's hands, and that's K.J. Then he doubles down, comes back with another text, <laughs> says, K.J. didn't run the ball enough last year. Gary, I love it. Love your, love 146 your take 146 attempts from your quarterback's <laughs> not, not enough? Not enough, according to All Gary. All right, Gary. <laughs> I love it. All right, a lot to dive into this hour. Like we mentioned, Tom Murphy, Whole Hogs Sports, Arkansas Democrat Gazette. We'll jump in. We haven't heard what Tom seems to think or what Tom will think about this imminent nine-game SEC schedule. We're going to dive into that with him. Jalen Catalan on the uh, AP second-team All-American list. And then, like we said, uh, the scrimmage last week. There's another – there's a Friday night practice that they're going to have and Saturday a mock game. So a couple big things going on uh, later in the week uh, for this football team who's getting into classes this week, kind of getting into routine. Uh, this is kind of the first week of the game week routine where it's afternoon practices, late afternoon, 4 o'clock-ish starts. Um, they'll do that for a couple of weeks. And Coach said last week they'll start Cincinnati prep essentially Thursday and kind of walk through that, that week. So camp is over. Classes begin kind of in that mode now 
um, as they get underway here with two weeks out. You know, they're into the to the week before the game. So 11 days away from game one with Cincinnati. 2.30, hear the game right here on this ESPN Arkansas station you're listening to. Before we get to Tom, Darren uh, wants to call in and uh, talk about Tennessee. Is he in Tennessee? He said he's in Tennessee okay. from Arkansas. Darren, uh, where are you at in Tennessee? Uh, just south of Knoxville. All right. Well, what's up, man? Well, I feel I feel pretty good about the Hogs looking and, and hearing what's coming out of the uh, fall camp. And looking at the schedule, just kind of wondering. I mean, you know, we're fans, so we're fanatic, but I know it's going to be tough to beat Bama. Bama's good this year. What do you think the, the possibility is? Let's say we go 11-1 and one and we have a respectable loss to mm-hmm. Bama. Okay. Bama goes undefeated, goes to the uh, SEC championship. Does Georgia have to have – I mean, if Georgia's undefeated as well and Bama beats them, do you get three SEC teams in the playoff? Who? Georgia has a loss. The Alabama beats them. Now Georgia has two losses. Or whoever's on the east and, and Arkansas sitting out there with their one loss, a respectable loss to Bama, do they get an invite to the – the playoffs, you think? So what you're saying They're is provided, say Cincinnati's good, yeah, um, and BYU is good. Yeah. So, and you're also what you're saying, just digging into it. A and M's lost at least two games, so that knocks them kind of out of contention right now. They would be someone that would yep. would be in there. Here's what history tells us, Darren, with these conference championship games, and, and that's a good question. And, and I hope your scenario is right. It, if Arkansas is 11 and one, and their only loss is close to Bama, could they get? into the college football playoff. Georgia would, if Georgia's undefeated, Georgia's going to have to mm-hmm. lose big in that game. I mean, when it just comes down to reputation, the, the, the reigning national champion, equal records. Now, history says you lose in a title game, in a conference title game, the college football playoff committee has not been kind to those teams. But Georgia, I mean, I'm just telling, maybe it's the paranoid fan side mm-hmm. of me. But I just don't believe that if that scenario, that, that dream scenario kind of you played out there, Darren, 11-1, Arkansas misses the title game in Atlanta, would they make the college football playoff? Some other things got to happen. Your strength of schedule certainly in place with BYU and mm-hmm. Cincinnati. And you're right, Darren, they need to remain good. Um, but you need other teams. You need A&M to only be a two-loss team in that scenario. Mm-hmm. And Arkansas beat them. Mm-hmm. You need the other teams like Ole Miss on your schedule to also be eight or nine win teams. But I just don't have a lot of faith, I'll be honest with you, that if it came down to Arkansas and Georgia and one was in and one was out, I think I'd make plans for New Orleans. <laughs> make play. Where, where's the other uh, non-semifinal games? Uh, the, Pe- the Peach Bowl, you might be going back to mm-hmm. somewhere like I, I, I don't, I don't know what Dallas, the rotation is. Bowl. Love to go to the Rose Bowl. I don't know what the, who's the semifinals this year. I don't know. But um, – I'm afraid that if it comes down to that, I don't like uh, I don't like the benefit of the doubt. Let's put it that well, way. Well, you're also going to need help from OU. Yeah. You're going to need help from Utah. You're going to need help from Clemson, uh, OU North chokes, Carolina, though. North Carolina State. If yeah. they're as good as people are, are guessing, you're going to need help from Oregon. But if anybody you're one, else outside of the Big Ten and the dude, SEC, dude, if, if you're a one loss SEC team and Alabama's your only loss, you got a heck of a case. You do. You, you really do. There had to be, but you're right. There couldn't be. It couldn't be three or more mm-hmm. undefeated teams. I know this. We're 11 days away. One of the things, when you walk into the stadium now, 
You smell those CJ Butcher Boy burgers cooking there in the concession stand. I don't care if you're hungry or not. You're gonna rush, you're gonna get over there and get in line and get you one. CJ's Butcher Boy burgers back in the stadium again this year. So when you're there in 11 days, get you one. If you're running the roads coming from Central Arkansas or you're already in Northwest Arkansas, listening with us this morning, CJ's is in Northwest Arkansas in Fayetteville on the Weddington exit. When I'm out for high school football on Friday nights, Russellville's always a, a routine stop. They're at exit 81. Get off and uh, go to CJ's Butcher Boy Burgers. Get you something before the game. So always a good stop. CJ's Butcher Boy Burgers. When all you do are burgers, they have to be the best. Tom Murphy is one of the best. Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Whole Hog Sports with us now. Tom, good morning. Good time. Are you there, Tom? Hang on. What's going on with Tom? Let's put him back on hold and try this again. Something happened with the phone here. All right, let's try it now. Tom, good morning. Hey, good hey. to see you. Uh, uh, thanks for the kudos there a second ago. Well, it uh, it's it's fun. It's eleven days out. Uh, you were at the, the the press conferences last week. I know when Kendall Brown spoke, and then after the scrimmage, Sam Pittman spoke. Some, some interesting stuff uh, coming out of this. We've been talking about KJ uh, all week long, or pardon me, all morning long. And you know, he was a leading rusher on this team, as you well know. Will he be the leading rusher again this year for Arkansas? <laughs> Um, there's a chance it could be. And, uh, you know, I was a guy who asked Kendall Bryles about, are you totally cool with KJ leading the team in rushing again? And his response, I'm totally cool with winning games. Well, so, let, let me uh, just play what here. You ask him the question. Here's what he said. It all matters with the passing game, you know, how we're running the football, you know, how we're protecting him. There's so many variables um, how they're playing us. If they're if they're playing us off, we're going to run the football. I mean, so there's just so many variables that, you know, you can look at it and say, well, heck, he only threw for 150 yards. Bottom line is he is a winner. We know he's a winner. And when you're a quarterback, to be a great quarterback, you have to win football games. Um, and I believe in him. I wouldn't trade him for anybody in America when it comes to winning football games. And however we got to do it, we got to do it. Yeah, a lot of people believe in K.J. What I, what I loved about that quote, Tom, is – so we saw it a little bit in the Penn State game. You get lost in the forest because all you can see is the trees. Um, if Arkansas can run the football, they're going to be a hard team to beat. And if if running the football is what gets you to the to the to the winner's circle, I like the way Kendall Bryles is talking there. We're just going to do what we got to do to win. Yeah, you know they have a formula. It, it, the formula is to be big and powerful on the front, uh, to to have speed and and length in your skill spots, and to take whatever. It, it, as Brown said in that clip you played, if they're playing off, um, so if the, you know the, if the safeties are, are a little deep, uh, they're going to run the ball and take advantage of the numbers they have in the box and make the safeties come down. And if they're down, then KJ's going to have his reads and try to hit the the quick slants and you know the bubble screens and all the stuff they have and take shots down the field. So um, when it comes down to you know the numbers. You know they're they're gonna they're gonna play those numbers and KJ's you know the charge for him this year was to be quicker with his reads on the mesh with, with the running back and if if you don't give then you know finding the tight windows to squeeze in there to your receivers and uh, and then take your reads from there and you know I, I expect that his completion percentage is going to be very similar which was sixty seven percent you know challenging felipe and the his physicality I mean, he's got to hold up but his keepers last year were 
you know, largely huge plays for the Razorbacks. So they've got a nice, they've got a nice formula, yeah. and we know they're a good team. But here's here's the bottom line to me: so many of their games are against opponents of equal talent and and so on, and coaching staffs, and it's going to come down to little things, you know, converting third and short. And that's what they spent a lot of their offseason on is how do we become a better third and short team. Look, they did a great job protecting the ball last year. If they keep their turnover margin like it was a year ago and they're as sound as they were a year ago, they're just going to be a hard team to beat. And Mm -hmm. if you're a Razorback fan, based on 2018 and 2019, you can't ask for more than having a, a really good quarterback, coaching staff, and players who, who care about what they're doing, and they're hard to beat. That's that's a good formula. Tom, it seemed like and you were, you've been to every press conference, so you've heard every word. But it seems like, particularly listening to Sam Pittman and the coaches, there's been a lot of conversation the first 10 or so days of, of camp about the young players, players like Isaiah Satania, you know, you know, Players that uh, that they're getting their first look, Marion Harris, Chambly, some on the offensive side, uh, you know, Davier on the defensive side. Seems like last weekend things kind of shifted to where it was a lot more about veteran players. Seems like this depth chart's locking in pretty tight right now. Not a lot of things up for grabs. Have, have you noticed there's, at least with the conversation, I don't know if it's intentional or not, but the conversation from the coaches, and particularly Sam Pittman, has shifted in the last few days when we've heard from them a lot to a lot more about the veteran players uh, in, in, in the words they're saying. Yeah, there's been more of that. Um, but, but I think people are always interested in, well, who, who are the fresh face? Who's going to help us this year? And what I think this staff has done a tremendous job of is, is, is recruiting talent and, and not just freshman talent, um, the, the, the uh, transfer portal. And I think, they felt like they've hit on, you know, the Hazelwood and Landers. I think they're going to be huge cogs in the passing game. And then um, uh, at defensive tackle, I mean, Terry Hampton, he's going to be big for them, especially with Torian Carter out for a while. And then, you know, Breeny and McLaughlin, I think, are both going to wind up. And, and Drew Sanders, key guys. And then so if you're not missing many guys in recruiting and you can filter the, the freshmen like Satania and – uh, McAdoo and some of these other guys in, uh, then you're helping yourself because you, you've got better depth. Now, I still don't think their depth is up to, you know, Bama, A&M, Georgia standards, but it's it's as good as Arkansas has had in many better, years. Yeah. It, yeah. it is. And uh, and so, but yeah, they, they brought back enough veteran talent that, you know, the opportunities aren't what they were a couple of years ago for you know, young guys to come in and, and snag jobs. But I think we're going to see some guys uh, new guys in the two D. Let me ask you this question: Who, who's the number two quarterback right now? When the depth chart officially comes out, is it going to be Cade Fortin or Malik Hornsby? Yeah, I, I think it's still going to be Hornsby. But we know that you know Fortin's had a better camp in terms of completion percentage than Hornsby. Uh, but the, the component you can't factor into that is is Hornsby's legs. And you know Arkansas got the run game going in the second half against Penn State. And then they put Hornsby in, and it was a tired Penn State team. And you go back and look at the plays. Hornsby kept the ball. They could have scored another touchdown. You know, it could have been 31-10 to 10 because he was killing them. And, um, and I still think that Hornsby's got a role to play on this team. And, but, but the good thing for them is if something happens to KJ 
and Hornsby's in there, and you know they might need a change of pace. And I think Fortin they they would trust to go in and, and run the offense. Um, so I think they're they're decent at quarterback. Renfro's got a ways to go to be ready, but uh, having three pretty good quarterbacks is a good start. You, you touched on the corners a second. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball. Sounds like some of the biggest battles maybe still for playing time, and I think they got depth there, is going to be at corner. Listening to Jalen Catalan, who we're going to talk about in a minute, being on the second-team AP All-American, he's talking about Hudson Clark and had like four interceptions in camp so far. Uh, you know, you look on the other side and, and kind of where they're at with Darius Bishop, Johnson pressing him, Malik Chavis, Miles Slusher kind of being the utility player. How do you think this secondary will look for the first couple of weeks? Oh, and Kari Johnson got some snaps with the ones at corner yesterday. So I think they feel that Hudson Clark is is a solid SEC corner, um, and Bishop has got the experience. It just it's got to, he's got to trust his technique. And I think with McLaughlin and Malik uh, Chavis, uh, you got two more, and then Kari Johnson and Kewan Parker. Um, now. Are you ready to have Keywan Parker in there every snap against Bama? Meh, maybe not. You got to rotate, uh, and what and the mistakes those guys make um, oftentimes are pretty glaring. You know, you see them. <clears throat> Sometimes you don't see mistakes that other p- position guys make. Um, I don't think their corners are going to raid in the top four or five, six in the SEC all combined. But I, I do think they can slot in right behind that. Mm-hmm. Jalen Catalan, second-team AP uh, All-American list. Any surprise that uh, that he made this list to you, or should he have been even on the first team? Um, well, the first-team guys are Johnson and, and Battle, uh, fellow SEC West players. They're good ones, but Catalan is, is really good. And if you go back and look at last year, there were some plays that he was you know, in on, but he wasn't making with the authority that he made the year before, and that all had to do with the shoulder you feel like. And so he wasn't himself. He still had two picks against Rice. Uh, when he's on his game and very healthy, he's just so instinctive. And, um, yeah, he has a chance to live up to that because of, of, of just how his passion for the game, how much he studies. I think back to the Mississippi State game when they uh, won on the road. He was reading those, those little uh, screens to the backs and tackling guys for, like, one-yard gains and one-yard losses. And – that slowed down Mississippi State in that uh, that drop eight deal, and it was all because Catalan was, you know, knew what was coming and made the reads and made the plays. Yeah. Last thing before we go, Chris Lowe wrote a column over the weekend about the SEC, and there's ample support for a nine-game conference schedule, three permanent opponents, six rotating opponents. Tom, yeah. if, if this is how it goes, who should be Arkansas's three permanent SEC opponents? Yeah, I saw that, and there was a lot of talk at SEC Media Days uh, about, you know, who who are you, who are your preference? And I think with Arkansas, uh, with Texas and OU coming in, you'd think that they would want one or, or two of those. Mm-hmm. They would probably prefer LSU. A&M being a Southwest Conference rival, you, you'd think they'd want. And then, of course, the league and, um, you know, the growth of the battle line rivalry – you think Missouri. So I would think it's some combo of Missouri, A&M, and Texas, uh, Missouri, A&M, Oklahoma, Missouri, Texas, Oklahoma, some combo like that. And I just don't think the LSU deal, it, you know, would survive it. And, of course, uh, it would be a difficult permanent trio 
but um, I, I think Texas has got to be in the mix, right? To me, if if you're going to expand and have Texas and OU in your league, and I mean, we're looking at through the Arkansas lens, if OU and Texas aren't regularly on your schedule and routinely, I, I mean, I want one of those teams at home, one on the road every year. So that's what I selfishly want is I think you're going to be forced to play Missouri, so give me OU and Texas. you got to have, it to me, at least one Texas school, Tom, to keep that presence in that state for recruiting. Yeah, I think they do, and I think the conference is wise enough. And Arkansas, all, all the schools would probably their input would be taken and 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 used to some degree. And I think Arkansas would argue for either A and M or Texas. And even though they'd be, I guess, the closest team to Oklahoma yeah. uh, at four hours away, um, I don't know if that one would would make the the permanent opponent list. I mean, unless you take Texas, OU, and Missouri. For Arkansas is three, and, you know, I could live with that. I just hope when Nick Saban puts the schedule together, he gives us at least one of the Texas schools. That's all I'm asking for, <laughs> Nick, is when you put this schedule together and you put your stamp on it before the, the league releases it, at least Texas or Texas A&M is on that list. So, All right, Tom, we're, le- we're 11 days out. Uh, we'll talk on Thursday. We'll be down to the single digits on games to go. So uh, we'll chat with you then. Yep, excited about it. Thanks for having me uh, on, guys. It's getting close, it's getting close. Fun conversations. Tom Murphy, Whole Hog Sports, Arkansas Democrat Gazette with us here every Tuesday and Thursday on the Morning Rush. Bud Light Next is available nationwide today, anywhere you can buy your other Bud Light products. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, the best podcast in the natty state. Just search Hit That Line wherever you listen to podcasts. Brought to you by Breeden RV Center. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.